It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Boys better hold on, because I'm going to have to stand on it. Stroker Ace was born to race. He had a mean streak two feet wide. A son of a gun with a taste of fun and more than his share of pride. Take a dirt road curve with the devil's nerve. Make a car dance across the mud. And holler and shine with his regular lines and the track got in his blood. With a real hot shot and he bragged a lot. The man that fool could drive. Cause he loved the feel of the steering wheel and the girls with the bedroom eyes. And in a race of tide or a barroom fight, old Stroker stole the show. A backstretch blazer, a real hell razor, and a racetrack Romeo. Mama, lock your daughters up that wild bunch back in town. And them little girls get frisky when they hear that race car sound. They're bringing out the yellow flag, somebody's break to fail. There's a horse sick on the inside and a wreck along the rail. You better stand on the stroker, cause a bandit's on your tail. But you gotta hang it up and it gets real rough when you're out there on your own. Cause they'll push you around, they'll knock you down, they'll shove you up against the wall. And you always know when the engine blows that a man can't win them all. You could push that car just a little too far any Sunday afternoon. And if you break your neck, some damn fool wreck, they forget about you soon. But old Stoker Race was born to race and it's worth all the trying. Just to drink champagne in the victory lane and to hear that concrete wine. Stroker, get your dander up, this ain't no time to lag. You got to make a lap up if you're gonna take that checker slide. Number 10 is closing in to even up the score. It's time to wave bye-bye and put the pedal on the floor. You better stand on the stroker cause you're blowing off their door. Darlington Raceway, tradition comes alive. And Earnhardt will win his second Southern 500. 70 years of racing at the track too tough to tame. His sixth victory at the Darlington Raceway in South Carolina, Jeff Gordon will win. Come celebrate the 90s with us at Darlington Raceway on Labor Day weekend. To purchase tickets, call 866-459-RACE or visit DarlingtonRaceway.com. South Carolina, just right. This is NASCAR driver Brad Keselowski, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio. Good evening from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim Despain, alongside of uh, what would be Stephen Wilson, speedwaydaddy.com. He's on vacation. I've got my good friend, PA announcer at Talladega Super Speedway, Mr. Grady Tapp. Grady, how you doing this evening, brother? Hey, Tim. I'm doing great, man. It's good to be with you. Uh, I finally get to be on the show. Uh, you know, I've been waiting for the chance for quite a while, so it's good to finally get a chance to come on and, and be on with you tonight, man. I appreciate it, buddy, and I so do. I really appreciate it. You know, you and I, we've talked about it for, I don't know, four or five years. You know, I've had the privilege of working with you there at Talladega Super Speedway and uh, what was the uh, single-wide trailer there at Thunder 927 right behind the Ken Patterson Media Center. And now uh, I guess I can say you're uh, you're moving on up, Grady. You're going to go on up to that big new, uh, that, that, that big nice thing they're building right up there in the trail over there. The new radio, the new TV thing, you and shit more. Y'all going, y'all going, y'all going to have made up there, brother. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you know, I I spent 18 years covering it uh, on the radio side of things, and right there behind the media center, and of course, I spent years doing that. So, you know, all in all that time, Tim, it always kind of 
I got to know so many great folks at the Talladega Super Speedway and the staff. And, I mean, working with Russell and Grant and, uh, you know, all of the staff there has just been a, has been a great time for me for over the years and all the people that I've met at Talladega, Patrick Barfield, I mean, just everybody there. And, and they do a fantastic job. And so I'm really excited now to, to have a chance to actually become, I guess, an official part of the Talladega Super Speedway family. I've always felt like I was a part of the family, but now I get to be an official part of it. And I'll be joining uh, Steve West and Matt Coulter and having a chance to, to be up in the booth and, and do PA. And yeah, I'm really excited about the new facilities. You know, we were over there a couple of weeks ago and taking a look at transformation and the progress they're making. And of course, Steve and I, went up and eyeballed the new control tower area that we'll be in. And I hear it's really going to be nice. So I'm really excited about that. Great. Uh, Well-deserved for you because you've covered the, the sport there for Thunder 92.7 and you have uh, moved on. Uh, you have left that role there. But, you know, like you mentioned, and like I mentioned, you're still going to be a part of the Tidal Super Speedway family there with the PA announcer and that all. But can you let our listeners know exactly uh, – where they can follow you at now. I know you moved on down, I think, around Alexander City. You, you're down there at a radio station. Can you let everybody know about that? Yeah, I am. Uh, I now work with Lake Broadcasting, and we have stations in Alex City and in Silicaga. And you can now catch me on 97.5 out of um, Alex City. That is WKGA, Kalita Country, 97.5. And uh, you can get the app and uh, also uh, listen online to that station. I'm on from 9 until 2 there. And then I'm also on our other station, uh, which is out of Silicaga, and uh, it is WFEB. It's B101, and uh, that's on 100.9 FM, and also you get to download the app WFEB B101. And uh, we are a uh, a hot AC station, play a lot of, uh, I guess, pop hits that you will know from the 80s and 90s all the way up till now. So it's it's a great company to work for. Uh, really good group of folks. I'm really excited about it. I've really enjoyed it. Kind of gotten settled in. I've just had to get used to the commute going from two miles to about uh, 43, 44 miles each direction. But I, I'm slowly getting used to that. And I, like I said, it's great music, great folks, and we do a lot. And and we still are, have a NASCAR connection because we carry the the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series on uh, Kalicha Country 97.5. So still uh, have the NASCAR connection. So I, I guess I'll always have that. Awesome, G. And again, before we get going really too far, I want to let our listeners know the number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim to Spain. He's Grady South, PA announcer there at Tyler Super Speedway now. And coming up shortly, uh, we have uh, uh, America's Crew Chief, uh, Mr. Lambert Randall, is going to, going to swing by and join us. And me and Grady, I know we got we got a lot of questions for Larry uh, Mack there, and we had some breaking news come out too. And I'll wait till, till Larry comes, uh, comes on uh Grady, and, and we'll talk about that. But I want to talk about, you know, your your radio days, if if I can. You know, we uh, there before you left Thunder, you had Johnny Ponder. And then uh, back in the day, our really good friend, Rufus T. Raspberry. You know, I listened to you and Rufus T. every morning going to work at Coosa Valley Electric. And uh, can you talk a little bit about what some of your special times that you and Rufus T. had, and maybe you and JP, too? Uh, sure. I mean, with Rufus T, I mean, I, I worked with Rufus for, for so many years uh, there at the station, and then I was just blessed to, to have about the last five years or so, or four or five years there working on the mornings with him. But uh, Rufus was, you know, he, he had the the down-home country personality on the air, but he was a super, super smart guy. And, uh, Tim, I, you know, when – in the radio business, stuff doesn't always work the way it's supposed to. And so Rufus was really the de facto engineer, and it, you know, all the way back through the days when I first started there, 18-plus uh, years ago, Rufus T. was the man. If anything broke, you took it to Rufus T., and you got prepared to get your tail chewed out if you, if you broke it. And, uh, of course, we had guys roaming the garage area. You did a little bit of that with us, but we had a lot of different guys over the years that came through and uh, really worked hard and did a great job for us covering the garage and the pits. And uh, some of those guys were prone to break equipment. Uh, One of the guys most prone to do that was uh, the late, great David McDaniel, who uh, constantly broke a transmitter wire or a mic cord or something, and Rufus would have to fix it. And I just used to just really roll listening to him uh, just kind of give him what for him down the road about about his equipment. So that was a lot of fun. And just 
you know, going in early, we'd get there early in the morning and do the morning show on Fridays, and uh, then we'd be there together all day. And then uh, some of my favorite times were, I guess, first thing in the morning where we would just kind of everything was quiet, just waking up, and we'd stand out there and talk and talk about how blessed we were to be a part of it. And, and then in the late afternoons when we'd wrap things up, and especially on Sunday evening when everything wound down, we're kind of the last couple of guys there and just relaxing and enjoy those times. It was great memories, and I loved hearing the stories that he would talk about because he and Dale Earnhardt got to be friends, and uh, Dale was scheduled to come and hunt on his land uh, the spring uh, after that Dale got killed at Daytona. He was going to be coming over and doing a little turkey hunting at Rufus's place. So just a really, really great guy. And then I was fortunate that, that Johnny Ponder, JP, came in and uh, started doing the morning show with me a couple of years after Rufus passed away. And JP's a great guy. And he really kind of, he wasn't the same, but he had the same vibe as Rufus T did, the same type, similar type personality. and just fit in so great. And, man, we just had a blast doing the morning show and laughing and cutting up with all the listeners. And uh, he knew a lot of the guys. Of course, he's been out at Talladega, what, for 30-plus years on fire and safety. So he knows a lot of guys that are on the different crews and teams. And we'd have them come in and visit with us in the morning. So, I had just a lot of great memories, a lot of great times, uh, and really, really just been blessed to, to be around the sporting. And you know, you know how it is getting to do what you do, Tim. You get to be around and, and do things and see things and be up close and personal to the point that a lot of people never get to experience. And uh, that's been a great part of it, covering the sport for so many years. And Greta, you do a great job of it too. And yeah, uh, it is. It's a it's a privilege, Grady. I mean, you know, just like you mentioned, you, uh, Suzanne and I, you know, we got approved for our NASCAR hard cards this year, and you know, we can go to any track that we want to. You just have to send them a email and get and you know get our stickers and everything. But I want to go back and talk about whenever I first come on there with uh, you. You know, I was first. Uh, I started this little radio podcast deal with myself and my good friend Stephen Wilson at SpeedwayDigest dot com. He's up in Richmond, Virginia, right outside of Richmond Raceway there, and uh. I remember, you know, doing so. I didn't have a clue on what I was doing, and I remember you telling me just, just, just call it like you see it. And Rufus was still here with us, and uh, I remember also talking to my good friend Woody Kane at MRN. There, Woody told me uh-huh. he said, "Tim, uh, when you're on there with Grady and uh, Thunder, just call it like you see it, and if you mess up, just keep going because nobody sees it. It's all radio, but." Uh, it's been a privilege, Grady, to work with you, and I want to thank you very much for giving me that opportunity. And uh, I wish I could have it again, but, you know, like we said, you've gone your way. We've gone our way. We've got our podcast, and everything is everything's awesome, Grady. But, again, thank you very much for allowing, allowing me to be part of the Thunder 92 family back when you were there. Well, it, it was a pleasure having you, Tim, and uh, really excited to see the things you've been able to do with the show and and moving on and covering the sport that uh, I know both you and Suzanne are just very, very passionate about. You and Stephen just absolutely love the sport, and you guys do a great job with it. So it's great to see that you've come on and been able to do the things you have. And, you know, I finally got uh, got a gig now where I can actually watch the races. You know, I went for about uh, almost 18 years without really seeing a race live because we were in the infield. We just watched it on the TV monitors down there. So now I go from that to going to the best seat in the house up in the control tower, and I got to do a little bit of that. Uh, some of that during the race uh, weekend, the last race weekend of the spring, and just really, really enjoyed it. I'm excited to be going and working with Steve West and Matt Coulter and all the folks at the Super Speedway. And, you know, the, the PA, we stay really busy. It, it, I kind of learned a lot in the first weekend of getting to do some of it, and I will be all in coming up in the fall. And we get to do a lot of – have a lot of information that's processed and passed along, and we pretty much are constantly in motion up there. So – I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing some great racing. And, of course, along with everybody, really looking forward to the transformation project and what everything is going to look like there at Talladega Super Speedway. The fall is going to be a blast, man. You and I both, brother. And, Gray, before we bring on uh, Larry McReynolds here in about six minutes, I want to play uh, the Midi Center audio, audio from uh, Eldor Speedway, there where Stuart Friesen got his first win in the NASCAR Gunner Outdoor Truck Series. And, uh, again, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain alongside of Grady Sapp. Let's listen to what Stuart Friesen had to say after he won his first race in the NASCAR Gunner Outdoor Truck Series. If I can have your attention here in the media center, we will go ahead and roll into our post-race media availability for the 7th Annual Eldora Dirt Derby. And we're joined by team owner, 
Chris Larson, Crew Chief Trip Bruce. Trip, we're going to start with you. Congratulations on the victory tonight. Uh, walk us through your nerves going through the final laps of that race. I said they're all kind of nerve-wracking to some degree, so obviously this one was one of the higher ones. We were we were lacking fuel for sure. There's a lot of questions there. The we got more cautions, I believe, than the than the caution history shows here. Actually, if I <clears throat> don't know the exact numbers right now because I have a great engineer sitting there pumping all that information in my left ear the whole time. But we needed a lot of laps to make it to the end for a lot of different reasons. Um, one of them being in the gas a lot, the other one running the high line, the majority of the, well, the whole race. So it's a longer racetrack up there. The fuel, um, the distance burns more fuel. There's a lot of things going on there, of course, but all those extra cautions helped, but the nerves at that point at the end of the race, probably with 20 to go, were for the green-white checkered deals, the overtime. So that, was, that was still in play all the way to the end. So, Chris, this, this team has been so close so many times, but to finally get the victory lane, especially here at Eldora, how special is that to you? Well, it would have been pretty special no matter where it happened, but um, obviously this was a race that we were pointed towards, you know, because of Stu's experience on dirt. And, um, yeah, we've been close, but you know what? Uh, we've never lost confidence and faith in each other, and uh, it's an incredible team, and, you know, they just kept working hard, and, uh, you know, we knew we would get here. Okay, we're going to open the floor for questions. If you have a question, raise your hand. We'll get a wireless mic to you. We'll start up front here with Jacob. Dylan Freewell Race for a Weekly Trip. Uh, you know, Stu has won four of these dirt um, fuel mileage races. Talk about that call from him at the end of Stage 2 to win, and, and how confident were you that he could actually save all the fuel? Well, I didn't, I didn't even bring that up to him at that point for a really good reason I thought on my part. Is it, he doesn't need to think about that. It's not his job, the, the fuel part. Um, he was going to have to go to work and do that, but he didn't need to know about it. And he definitely didn't need to have the fuel thing on his mind when he helped make the decision to stay out. You know, um, there there's some areas to read the tire visibly, looking at tires in the pits and stuff um, that you know I'm good at on asphalt, but learning on dirt. So the decision making on that kind of stuff. Uh, leans more towards what he thinks and what he says, you know. And and I told him I was with him if he wanted to stay out. I didn't feel like the track. What I saw was wearing tires. Uh, it didn't it didn't rubber up. It didn't black over, and that can have a tendency to blister a soft tire and stuff like that. I didn't see that. I told him I I didn't see that stuff happening. I felt good about staying out as far as the tires were concerned. I didn't mention fuel to him. That that would not have helped his focus on what well, the job he's got to do first. Jacob Seelman, Speed Sport. Uh, Chris, for you, uh, what was the original catalyst behind the decision to make the move into the truck series to bring Stewart to this level? And does, you know, after all the heartache, finally getting that win tonight, does that validate the move? Well, well, the reason we actually got involved in, in the NASCAR truck series was just to have a bit of fun. You know, a few years ago, um, we, you know, we bought a secondhand truck and came here just because we were running the dirt modified. And um, we had a lot of fun doing it, and we thought we'd try it some more, and we realized how bad we were at it. And uh, really it was once we put a team together with Trip and, and had the alliance with GMS that, um, you know, we started setting our expectations higher, and, uh, you know, our team started coalescing. And, uh, again, Trip and his crew, uh, you know, they work hard, and, uh, Stewart's a very talented driver, and if we didn't have the support of GMS, it would be hard for us to do this. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of credit to go around. And, um, you know, for me personally, I, I knew we would be here. Do we have additional questions for our winning crew chief and winning owner? Jacob? trip maybe it was a lot of people making much out of little but I know earlier this season when you guys were you know having the struggles and maybe the communication between you and Stuart was a little fractured you know what has it taken you know behind the scenes between you guys to get that chemistry back because obviously you guys have worked you know worked well together and tonight proves that 
uh, Chris mentioned uh, in the beginning here that the stuck behind everybody, everybody stuck behind each one of us, and that's got a lot to do with that. Communication is the hardest part. I mean, we all know that it takes people. That's what gets it done. It's not all these parts and pieces. We all create the parts and pieces. But then when you take that to the next step, those people have to communicate, and 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 that's that's like something you work on every day when you get up and you start talking. So the breakdowns we weren't ever that far apart on communication. It could be as simple as I said two. It sounded like four. It's so simple, so it's so, it's so hard. Being that simple, communication being that simple, makes it that hard. It's a it's a complex subject. So I don't think relationship-wise, communication ever changed anything along the way. But one little breakdown means uh, uh, not a win after 200 laps and things like that. So the fact that we talk about that as part of the communication is what gets it better. And we do. We follow up. I think we follow up on about everything, sometimes maybe more than we need to, but we definitely follow up, and then that helps us move forward and get better. Yeah, I knew that. I mean, I've known it for 11 years. I, it's, it's horrible when you're racing because all you want to race for is a win. That's all you do. But, you know, at the same time, I got a long list of wins too, and not and I've always said they're not they're not easy. They don't give them. I said it today. Everybody's like, you guys got this. You got you know your guys are supposed to win here. I said they don't. Every time I respond to them, they don't give them to you. So you know we right in the middle of the weekend. It was yesterday a lot of work last night, today, and then today's real work hadn't even started until the green flag. And I'm like they don't give them to you. So I, I don't see it that way. But then I've always said one thing too. I've never stood in victory lane and held a trophy up without like one of the top drivers in the world. And I, you can look back at who I won with. Every one of them is one of the top drivers in the world, literally. So he's, he's another one of those. And that's true. You just don't get there. You just don't get there without the best driver that there is. It just doesn't happen. Well, Stuart, tonight you were the best driver. We're joined by Stuart Friesen, driver of the number 52 Hamar International Chevrolet. Stuart, finally in victory lane. How sweet is this experience for you? It's sweet. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Yeah. It's it's like I said. It, uh, it's sweet. It's special. Finally, it's it's a lot of way off my shoulders. I put way too much pressure on myself every week when things don't go right or, or there's mistakes and and we didn't win races. I take 100. Grady, I'm going to go ahead and stop it right there. That was uh, Stuart Friesen there at Eldora after he won his first NASCAR game at Doors Truck Series. But at this time, we've got uh, America's Crew Chief, uh, Fox analyst, analyst there at FoxSports.com and Fox Sports TV. Mr. Lambert Reynolds is going to come in the pit stop with Tim in Spain and Grady Sapp. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble. America's crew chief, Larry Mack. How you doing tonight, brother? I am doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Larry Mack. I want to thank you for taking time to call in. Uh, uh, Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com, has the night off. But uh, we've got uh, Grady Sapp. I know you know Grady Sapp. Uh, Thunder 927, they called every ARCA race here at Talladega Super Speedway for I don't know how long. He's now moved up to the public address announcement there at uh, Talladega Super Speedway. I want to introduce you to Grady Sapp, Larry Mack. How you doing, Grady? Good talking to hey, you. Hey, Larry, I'm doing well. It's uh, it's good talking to you again, and uh, always excited to have a chance to spend a few minutes with you and talk a little NASCAR. And uh, certainly, we have a, a lot of interesting things that came out of the uh, weekend up at Watkins Glen. I kind of thought we were we were getting interviews after a short track event because of all the tempers that flared, and maybe the most most in, I don't know the most shocking one, or if that's a good word to put with it, was. Uh, I, I, Jimmy Johnson and, and and with Blaney getting 
getting so upset with one another. I don't remember ever seeing Jimmy Johnson that upset after a race. Talk a little bit about the that particular situation and, and the tempers that were flaring after the race at Watkins Glen. Yeah, and we still have Bristol to go week after next, so I can only imagine. But I, I honestly believe that what we're seeing is the aftermath of a lot of drivers feeling a lot of pressure to win, to try to make the playoffs. And, you know, it's been it's been a long, grueling season, and we still have 14 races to go, four in the regular season and, of course, the 10 playoff races. You know, I think just so many things have stacked in on, on Jimmy Johnson. I mean, it's well documented. It's been over two years since he went to victory lane. You've got to go all the way back to the spring at Dover of 2017. And here's a, a, a man that's won seven championships in 83 cup races. And now he's over two years without going to victory lane. Uh, he had one crew chief for 17 years, Chad Canals, that he won all those races and championships with. And of course there was a change there at Hendrick Motorsports during the off season moving Chad Canals over to William Brown in 2014 and bringing Kevin Mendering over from Junior Motorsports to look after Jimmy. And, you know, they they jumped out at Daytona and won the first race of the year, the Clash, the first weekend of Speed Weeks. But it's really been a dismal year for him. They've never had more than two consecutive uh, top ten finishes. And so the decision was made before Watkins Glen to take Cliff Daniels, who's been the team engineer for quite a while with the 48 team and move him into the crew chief position. And they're really, in my book, there was a bit of a snafu in their strategy. Uh, they qualified eight top 10 finishes in the first two stages. And for some reason, Cliff decided to pit him at the end of stage two with 49 laps to go. And Jimmy pitted 28 cars stayed out because you could not make it from there without stopping again and that put him restarting 29th. He's fighting his way back through there. Uh, he's barely battling inside the top 20. They pitted with 58 to go when everybody else was pitting under green for four fresh tires. They pitted Jimmy for fuel only, so he was kind of at a disadvantage with 15, 16 laps on his tires versus everybody else with fresh tires, and Blaney caught him going down the back straightaway into the chicane. You got 30 laps to go, and I think Jimmy's frustration was – you know, you got 30 laps to go. You you ran me down. Let, let's just do what you have to do through the bus stop or the chicane. Run single file because that's just not a passing zone. You, you know, if you don't get offline in the mm-hmm. chicane, you can only run through there about one one car wide. And he just drove in there and pretty much punted Jimmy. And I think the, just one thing stacked up after another, and you're right. I've been doing the broadcasting since 2001. Jimmy was a rookie in 2002, and I've never seen that type of emotion come out of our seven-time champion, Jimmy Johnson, that's for sure. And, Larry, uh, just to sort of talk a little bit about what Grady uh, talked about there, uh, we've got Jimmy Johnson. Uh, The Golden Horseshoe has not been around for a while, and like you said, and just like Grady brought up there, uh, I've never seen Jimmy Johnson as irate as I have in the years I've been covering the uh, the sport. But we're going to Michigan International Speedway. Jimmy Johnson, he has led the most laps there. He's led 619 laps there. Do you think this race at Michigan might be time for the 48 to find that golden horseshoe again and go ahead and get that win? Because it's been some time since he got that win, Larry. Well, i, I got to be honest. I don't know if I see them driving into victory lane this weekend at Michigan, but right now they don't need to win. Uh, he's right there on the cut line. He is 16th tied with Ryan Newman for that final spot in the playoffs. And Jimmy said it in the media availability at Watkins Glen, the number one goal is to make the playoffs. So all that 48 team needs to do for four consecutive weeks at Michigan, at Bristol, at Darlington, and then it, it, that at Indianapolis is just four solid, uneventful races. And if they do that, then they'll be in the playoffs, and then they can maybe turn their focus more toward trying to win. Right now, they've just got to collect every stage point that they can and try to finish as high as they can without any mistakes, any snafus on strategy, no pit road penalties. I, you know, yeah, they'll never quit thinking about winning because he has won 83 races, as I mentioned. But the biggest thing they're trying to do right now is make the playoffs because Jimmy Johnson, the playoffs, they've, they've existed since 2004. 
Jimmy has never missed a playoff, whether it was 10 drivers, 12 drivers, or 16 as it is now. So, yeah, I don't know if they're ready to drive through the gates of victory lane, but right now they don't have to do that. Well, Larry Mack, let's kind of go back again to Watkins Glen. And uh, another situation that happened was, uh, of course, earlier in the race was between Kyle Busch and uh, William Byron, uh, Byron. And then, of course, you had Chad Knauss, uh, who you were just talking about a few minutes ago, longtime crew chief for Jimmy Johnson, telling his driver to uh, stand up for himself and uh, retaliate with Kyle Busch. And you, you spent a lot of years in this sport as a crew chief. What was your take on, I guess, the crew chief stepping in and, and telling a young guy, to, hey, you got to stand up for yourself and you, you got to be aggressive and you got to go back and retaliate? Well, there's a lot of layers to this that, that I do have several opinions on. Yeah, 18 years on that pit box as a crew chief, there's no question. I was livid sometimes at what maybe another driver did to my driver, maybe wrecked our race car, what have you. But I say with confidence that I never, ever encouraged or promoted my driver using our race car for retaliation. Uh, I've never been a big fan of that, not as a crew chief and now 19 years as a broadcaster, because when you retaliate with your race car, you don't get anybody back but the team that has to fix that wreck and the owner that has to pay for it. Yeah, you may deteriorate a finish for a driver, but you don't accomplish anything. Get to pit road after the race and handle it then. I, I truly believe William Byron had to stand up to Kyle Busch, but, you know, right now they're fighting – to stay above that cut line. And they were 62 points above the cut line going into Watkins Glen, which is good cushion. And he had a good race car. He qualified second, finished fifth in stage one. And I realized that, that something needed to be done, but not right then. The timing was horrible because you don't do it under caution. You don't take the front end of your race car and try to squarely hit the back end of another race car. We know who's going to lose on that. And Kyle Busch saw it coming, and he just politely brake-checked the 24, and the 18 goes on about his business, and the 24 has pretty much the the front of the hood wrapped up almost to the windshield. And so instead of leaving there maybe 80 or 90 laps, 90 points to the good, they're only 60 points to the good. I I just feel like if Chad Canals had it to do over again, if William Byron – they would have handled it in a different way. Bubba Wallace got Kyle Busch back, but he didn't wreck his race car doing it. You don't do it under caution, especially when you've got a car as good as that 24 car and you're fighting and grinding trying to make these playoffs. I I just feel like if they had it to do over again, uh, I would like to think they would have went about it in a little different way, but I'm totally for If you don't stand up to these guys, they'll continue to run over you. That's what happened to Joey Logano in the beginning of his career. And until he finally stood up to Kevin Harvick and Tony Stewart and some of these guys that were mowing over him, uh, they were going to keep mowing over him. But you you don't do it with your race car and destroy your car under caution when you've got an opportunity maybe to walk away with a good, solid top-five finish. And, Larry, we're going into uh, Michigan International Speedway this weekend. Uh, uh, And this is – the manufacturer's backyard. Uh, Ford has dominated the past, the past, I don't know, three, four, five, six races there. I know you're the big stat guy on it. But like you and Grady were talking there, Jimmy Johnson is 16th. He's on the cut line. you got Ryan Newman, 17th. Daniel Suarez, 17th. What do these guys need to do to get back into this championship race there? Do they need to race for stage points like you always talk about? Or what do you think that, that, that they need to do there? Yeah, when I look at those four drivers there around the cut line, which is Clint Boyer, who is is 15th, I think he's 12 above the cut line, Ryan Newman and Jimmy Johnson that are tied right now, one is 16th, one is 17th, and then Daniel Suarez that's about 30-something points behind. Yeah, you never take your eye off of why you're there, and that's winning. But, yeah, every stage point, every point you can accumulate – is going to be huge. These guys, it's almost like a hot potato back there right now. It's almost like you take it. I don't want it. They all completely tripped over their shoelaces at Watkins Glen. Daniel Suarez was the highest finishing driver of those four I just mentioned, and he finished 17th. So, yeah, whether it's Michigan, Bristol, the week after, 
Darlington for the Southern 500. And maybe the complexity changes once we get to Indianapolis and, and things have changed back there, and I'm sure it will. But the reason Jimmy Johnson is is tied with Ryan Newman is not because he's been finishing better this year than Ryan Newman. It's because he has scored 23 more stage points than Ryan Newman. So, yeah, there is no way, especially when you look back in that area, to put a value on the importance of each and every one of those stage points. Well, Larry Mack, uh, we spent so much time talking about all the tempers that were lost in the race over the weekend, and I look ahead toward the, the stretch run here headed into the playoffs, but that talks a lot about the guy who won and really dominated the race at Watkins Glen and won for the second time this year. Of course, won at Talladega earlier in the spring. Chase Elliott, talk a little bit about that team and about him as a driver and I guess the maturation process and where they are as a team. Do you think that's a team that can legitimately contend for a championship at this point? Well, they needed that win more than you can ever imagine because when he won Talladega, that put Chase and that nine team on a run of five consecutive top five finishes. But the last seven races, they have not even come close to finishing in the top ten. I think they've had five finishes of 20th or worse. They needed this win to stop the bleeding. And I realize Watkins Glen is not relative to anything, but it, nothing else, it stopped the bleeding. And I go back a year ago when he won Watkins Glen, the next 14 races, the four regular season and the 10 playoff races, he clicked off two more wins, five top fives, and 10 top tens, and went all the way to the round of eight and finished sixth in the overall points. Yeah, I want to see him run well at Michigan and run well at, at Indy in particular. I think that's more of a measuring stick. But I never thought I would see a driver accomplish what they were able to accomplish at Watkins Glen with the way strategy works and the competition works and stage racing. But for them to go up there and sit on the pole, win those two stages, lead 80 of 90 laps, and win that race, I didn't think that was possible at a road course because normally to win a road course, you have to go with strategy that gives up stage points, but they didn't give up nothing except not leading 10 laps, and that was only because of the cycle through green flag pit stops. And, Larry, uh, I know your time is limited. This is taking I, I know your time is limited, but before we let you get out of here, uh, I want uh, I want to get your take on um, uh, the number two of Sheldon Creed. Now, that car sent down there penalty today, section 20.3.4.A, the ballast containers. And they've got the crew chief and the uh, truck chief there. They are suspended for the next three races. And we've got uh interim crew chief there at GMS Racing, Darren Fraley. He comes from an engineering background. Can you talk a little bit about that? I don't know if you have the notes on that yet, but uh, they come down pretty hard on them. And what about that ballast deal? Is that is that that tungsten deal that they put in the in the uh, in the railing there for the weight? Like, yeah, you know, ballast could mean either lead or tungsten, and, and they're both the same. They're both to get the truck or the car to the minimum weight you build these trucks and cars as light as you can and then you put that tungsten or lead in in the lower part of the frame rails which is a good place to put it from a standpoint of center of gravity to help the performance of the car or the truck and to get it to the minimum weight and nascar has cracked down hard on teams about this uh, because ballast coming out of a race car on the racetrack and this of course helped uh, happened at the Eldora truck race last Thursday night. I don't know if it was in practice or qualifying of the race, but they consider that a huge safety issue. If that tungsten comes out and flies up in the grandstands and hits somebody in the head, they won't even know what hit them. So this is a huge safety issue. And yeah, uh, they've they've to your point, they've suspended the crew chief, the car chief, and the team engineer. Three key elements of that race team for three races and think about the truck series they only have eight more races total they've got michigan this week which is their cutoff race and then there's seven playoff races so that's a big hit i hate to see it for jeff stankowitz the crew chief and those other crew members and sheldon creed but i certainly get it because it is a huge safety issue when you start letting ballast come out of a race car or out of a truck
Larry Mack, it's always great to uh, to catch up with you. And I know, as Tim said, your time's limited, but always enjoy your work on on Fox and uh, on TV and just to do a great job. And it's always great to catch up with you. And uh, looking forward to looking forward to the rest of the season and finding out what uh, the rest of it holds for NASCAR. It should be fun to watch. No, I, I appreciate hanging out with you there. The, again, there's more storylines right now in all of NASCAR, but especially the Cup Series with four races to go before the playoffs. You've got the battle at the front of the points between Joey Logano and Kyle Busch because whoever is the regular season points leader when we leave Indianapolis gets 15 playoff points. Whoever second gets 10, that's a big swing in playoff points. But just the the, the racing we've got right now, the finishes that we're having, the little bit of drama, which is not a bad thing, uh, I think it's only going to ramp up as we move toward the playoffs and then we get into the playoffs. And of course, we'll be right down there at Talladega, right smack dab in the middle of the playoffs. Uh, I think it's round number two, the middle race. So um, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And again, if people follow me on Twitter, at LarryMac28, that's at LarryMac28. Uh, try to engage with fans and love hearing your comments. Try to answer as many questions as I can. But that's at Larry Mack on twenty eight on Twitter. And Larry, before I let you jump out of here, I want to let you know, uh, you know I'm a big Auburn fan and Grady's a big Auburn fan too. But nothing against you being an Alabama fan. I know you're a big Alabama fan and uh I'm gonna go ahead and say it, Larry. I'm an Auburn fan. Grady's probably gonna cut my throat, but I'm gonna say road tide. Well, I appreciate that. Hard to believe that uh we're way less than a month before that kickoff game against Duke down at Atlanta. I was going to go down to the game, but, but I've, I've been asked to go down to Darlington for throwback weekend. I'm not going to turn that down. I am going to go down to Columbia, South Carolina. I think the third game of the season when they play South Carolina, the Gamecocks down there. Uh, been keeping tabs. Sounds like Tua is healthy. We got this young man, I think, from Hoover High School. We finally, after over a decade, we've got somebody that can kick a football maybe through the uprights, whether it's extra point or field goal, and uh, pretty excited about this season. I I know the coach's poll came out last week, but I'm like Nick Saban. I've never seen him give a trophy to whoever's number one in the preseason coach's poll. Amen, Larry Mack. And just like you said – my next race, uh, Suzanne and I will see you in Darlington. We're going to come to Darlington up there. But, again, uh, Larry, thank you very much for taking time to call in and talk to uh, myself and Grady and Suzanne. And thank you very much for all the great race coverage that you do for uh, Fox Sports there. And, again, uh, I I want to tell you happy being a grandpa. Congratulations on being a grandpa. Larry Mack. I appreciate it. Yeah, Caden, he'll be eight months old, the 12th of this month. He was over at the house this morning and getting that little personality. Uh, like I, I've told his parents, I'm I'm working on him to say two things, Larry Mack, Roll Tide, the, the mama, dada, all that stuff can come at a later date. We just got to get Larry Mack and Roll <laughs> Tide down and we'll be good to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Amen, Larry Mack. Thanks again, brother. We'll see you in Georgia, Larry Mack. Safe travels. All right. You guys take care. Great hanging out with you, pal. Thanks, brother. Larry Mack there at Fox Sports. Uh, Larry's always a hoot. He's he's never forgot where he come from, Grady, and he's cool. America's crew chief. You know, he was he was with Davey Allison. He was with Dale Earnhardt. When Dale won the, uh, the uh, Daytona 500 there. I mean, just – Awesome having uh, Larry Mack on the show tonight. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's always been very uh, generous with his time. And, uh, you know, you're not going to find anybody in the business that is more prepared when he gets ready to go on a broadcast and more prepared to answer any questions. Uh, He spends a lot of time and puts a lot of effort in it. I think he he attacks the the broadcasting part of it with the same enthusiasm and passion that he – attack the, the crew chiefing part with it. And he's, he's a great guy, like you said, and has never forgotten his roots. And uh, it's always a pleasure to, to get to spend a few minutes with him. That's right, brother. And, Grady, I know, you know, your time is limited, though, so I want to read off the uh, the uh, schedule for uh, 
the Monster Energy Cup Series. First practice at uh, 12.35 p.m., 1.25 p.m. This is Friday, August 9th. MRN has your radio. NBCSN has your TV. Gander Outdoors Truck Series. First practice, 1.35, 2.25 p.m. There's no radio, no TV. Gander Outdoors Truck Series final practice. There's no radio, no TV. But the Monster Energy Cup Series qualifying is 5 p.m. MRN has your radio. NBC has your TV. I'm, I'm going to try to go through it, G. Monster Energy Cup Series second practice on Saturday, August 10th, 835 a.m., 925 a.m. MRN has your radio. NBC Sports app has your TV, so that would not be on TV. Gender Outdoors Truck Series qualifying, 935 a.m., Fox Sports 2 has your TV. Monster Energy Cup Series final practice, 11.30 a.m., 12.20 p.m. MRN has your radio, NBC Sports app, has your TV. And then going into Sunday, the uh, radio pre-race is going to be 2 p.m. or MRN TV pre-race, 2 p.m., NBCSN, your Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, Consumer Energy, 400, 3 p.m., MRN has your radio, NBCSN has your TV. And, Grady, is there anybody you would like to thank before we let you jump out of here, brother, and I'm going to play a little bit more uh, media center stuff. But anyway, Grady, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, let, let everybody know where they can throw you, follow you on social media, brother. Well, yeah, you can uh, follow me at Grady Sapp on uh, Twitter, and, of course, I'm on uh, on uh, Facebook there, and you can always get in touch with me at uh, gsap at lakebroadcasting.com. Uh, for the for the radio into things, uh, Tim, it was was a lot of fun, and I'm glad we finally got to do it. And uh, hopefully, we can uh, get together and do it again soon. Always fun talking NASCAR, and always good hanging out with you. Thank you very much, and again, thank you very much for helping me get to where I am at the level of this sport. And again, G, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, I'm Tim Spain, alongside of uh, Grady Sapp there, Tato Super Speedway PA. We're gonna we're going to jump out of here. Grady, thanks again, brother. I will talk to you at the next media event, and uh, I'm going to throw the date out there. I think it's August 21st. I will see you at Talladega Super Speedway again. Thanks, brother. Have a hey, good brother. day. Thank you, Tim. You too, my man. Enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, brother.
I'm Matt DiBenedetto, driver of the number 95 Procore Toyota Camry, and you're listening to The Pit Stop with Tim Despain. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.